I got pregnant at 36 years old. I never wanted kids. I didn't even like children, to be honest with you. I was one of those people who were just like, kids need to be separate and I don't want to be around them, right? I was very much um, a harmful person when it came when it came to children. And um, so when I got pregnant, I was like, okay, you can't keep doing that. So um, let's do better. So I, you know, read some books and started following people. And I just realized, you know, I had every intention on doing the exact same thing that was that was how I was parented. Sure. And how I was parented is a traditional, uh, in a traditional like Southern Black way, which is filled with violence, to be honest with you. Yeah. Violence and respectability politics. And so, um, and we grew up in poverty too. So there's another layer to that as well. And so I knew that that's definitely, once I started reading and it started coming up, like the brain um, damage that can be done from this type of, from that type of parenting, um, the way that it disconnects you from your child, the way that some of the trauma responses that are that have become my personality, right? Like I started looking into all of that and I was just like, nah, I'm not doing this. And then I realized that I didn't like children because I felt I was projecting onto them all the things that I felt about myself as a child based on how I was raised. And so it has a huge, a huge, I mean, that's the only reason I have parents to be colonized is because I saw that so many people are struggling with this and needed this lens, needed to see someone that looks like them and speaks like them uh, talk about this and, and from a very specific viewpoint um, that I feel like is not spoken about enough. The Grow Dialogue podcast is a liberation project that explores equity, inclusion, belonging, conflict resolution, and culture in the workplace and beyond, including in our personal relationships, families, and communities. Each week, my co-host, Mariella Marie, and I will bring you insightful guest interviews and artistic expressions curated to amplify emerging voices who are sharing practices that support society's transition to a more collaborative, just, sustainable, and liberating coexistence. We live during a time when divisiveness and polarization dominate the social, economic, and political discourse. In response to this reality, and empowered with the skills of authentic dialogue and systems thinking, I created an anti-oppression framework for social sustainability called Theory of Indivisibility to help illuminate a different path forward. Our hope is that these conversations and calls to action will ignite tolerance and empathy and provide guidance for our global listeners who want to actively engage in ending all forms of oppression while creating thriving relationships in the workplace and beyond. I'm Dr. Sunjata Sunjata. Let's grow dialogue. All right, here we are. Yolanda, thank you for being here with me. Yes, thank you for having me. Thanks for your patience. <laughs> oh, indeed, indeed. How are you feeling today? Pretty good. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you carving out the time uh, to be here with me today. And I'm so excited to introduce the Grow Dialogue audience to, to you uh, and your work. Um, and, you know, for anyone that may, may be, you know, watching this or listening to this that may know you, um, I'm hoping that maybe we can tease out some things that they can get to know you a little bit better. So, you know, with that being said, I like to start every interview by asking the question, who are you? and how would you define yourself? I am Yolanda Williams. I am a, what am I? A single mom. I am an anti-racist educator. 
um, someone who is on a journey to decolonizing my parenting and myself. And I just kind of look at myself now as, I don't want to say, leader is the wrong word. It's somebody I'm trying to be in community with folks um, and trying not to, um, trying not to be higher, higher, that word. Yeah, yeah. But I do know, yeah, that, that one. I do know that I am someone who knows how to galvanize people around a cause. So, you know, just futuristic thinker and someone really interested in seeing every single one of these systems fall. Mm, I love it. So I I think the word that I've I've replaced with leader is like organizer. How do you think organizer feels? Yes. I love it. I love, I love it. And it sounds like it's something that's still emerging in terms of how you define yourself. Um, you know, as you continue to move towards, you know, the, the, the lifestyle that you, that you desire and crave. So, um, I think that's, I think that's something that a lot of people maybe not aren't aware of or don't acknowledge, but we're always evolving, emerging and becoming something else. You know, change is, is, is always in front of us. Um, so you're joining us for our family culture theme. And I want to start, you know, just if you could tell me when you hear the, the, the term family culture, what comes to mind for you? What comes to mind for me immediately is like family meetings, making sure that all voices are heard and all people feel safe um, and just respect, respect for the most, the youngest people and respect for the oldest people. Um, just like mutual respect is what I think about. Okay. And within the context of your family's culture, who are you? Somebody's mama. <laughs> My daughter is, um, uh, has limited words. She's autistic. She only speaks a few words. Okay. And so you're trying to navigate being a conscious parent, being someone who's decolonizing um, and recognizing that this will be a barrier in how we relate to each other is always on my mind. Um, I want to make sure that she is heard, but when you don't have words, you know, like how, how do you do that? So it's, it's, it's always, um, she teaches me a lot of lessons around uh, parenting the child I have, but not the one that I thought I was getting, right? Because I found out she, is autistic only three she's four i found out she's autistic three years ago and even before that you know as a parent you have ideas about the relationship what that's going to look like and so she is who she is i have i accept her for who she is that is still there's still a process of me having to get rid of that old vision and come into alignment with what is okay and you mentioned the term conscious parenting Mm-hmm. Could you explain in more detail what that is? Yeah, so one of the other things I am is a conscious parenting coach. I don't know, I forgot that. <laughs> and for me, conscious parenting is really um, for the adults, caregivers, teachers, to always be cognizant of how we show up for children. Um, when I started doing this, most of the people who were talking about this did not look like me. And there is an underlying sort of like theme when it comes to people who, um, I'm gonna try to use your words, of African descent, (laughs) Um, just having to decolonize in a different way, right? And so for me, it's really about like recognizing the past and recognizing how enslavement impacts us 
how the current systems um, impact us and making sure that we are not projecting all of all of that stuff, that harmful rhetoric that we've been indoctrinated into onto our kids, recognizing that they um, are not people who are empty vessels. They are already here, well-equipped to be able to navigate this world, but they just need our guidance, right? The When it comes to conscious parenting, we are conscious of, of ourselves and of their own, of their humanity and their abilities and their, um, their I guess, their ability to be able to, what am I trying to say? Because I guess when I grew up, yeah, agency and autonomy, like really being, like really respecting, like we are not parenting people who just are, you know, got nothing in their brains. Right. Um, we are parenting full humans uh, with a range of emotions and we're here to guide them. So that's what that's about. Awesome. And also you mentioned decolonizing yourself. Could you explain what that means for our listeners? So for me, you know, it's layered, right? People here decolonizing. I've gotten a lot of pushback on using that word. Um, the reason why I am gravitated toward decolonizing is I read um, a paper, and I, of course, I don't remember it, <laughs> but it was about colonization and the steps of colonization, and most of it was mental and physical, right? Um, of course, decolonizing also means land back for indigenous peoples of uh, Turtle Island, but it also means for the people who descendants of people kidnapped from Africa that we have to recognize like what that d did to us as parents, as people, um, how that impacted the way we uh, are with ourselves, what we think about ourselves and the way that we move throughout this world. So it's really like going down the, when I looked at it, it says something about like, um, it was like self community um, and then political systems and how a lot of us don't even realize that we are basically gatekeeping for the very things that are harmful, that, are, that our ancestors um, were brutalized for. And so for me, it's just thinking about, and you you helped me with this, with systems thinking, mm -hmm. um, learning how to look at what's going on around us and look at like, how am I contributing? Um, how am I gatekeeping for? And how am I invested in these systems? And what can I do uh, right. to sort of move away from that and become someone who is more aligned with more indigenous ancestral ways of practicing and moving through life? Sure, sure. Um, and I like to just kind of speak to that a little bit as well for, for our listeners, um, you know, in terms of how I think about decolonizing and how that plays a role in everything that I, you know, put out, um, especially in, in alignment with my like theory of indivisibility. You know, um, I don't use the term decolonizing within my theory of indivisibility, but it's definitely an undercurrent, you know, of of what's what I'm promoting through, um, I guess, this 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 framework in this theory and you know for me once i understood the role of colonization um, and how it was rolled out around the world and the purpose of it you know was to accumulate power and resources and let's just say accumulate an overabundance mm -hmm. of power and resources beyond what any one person or groups of people need um and then when I took a look at the various social systems that were born out of this quest for an overabundance of power and resources and how um, these social systems oppressed, how they erased, 
how they cause environmental harm, as well as, you know, harm to different cultures and people. Um, you know, I began to personally go on a journey to, to unlearn and then relearn new ways of being and doing um, that were more in alignment with environmental sustainability as well as sustainability in terms of my relationships with myself and others. Um, so, you know, like you said, I, I think it's interesting too when when you speak to the pushback that you, you've heard, I've also seen online in terms of indigenous people of, you know, this continent pushing back against people of African descent using that term. Yeah. Um, or I guess just people of all, you know, eth other ethnicities using that term. And what comes up for me when I hear that is, I feel like I, I, I would hope that we could get to a place of um, understanding, listening to understand one another. Because, you know, within the English language or just language in general, I would think we use words with different intent and different meaning. And that's where it comes. Like, for me, that's a starting point for a conversation. Um, but then it's like, once we go under that and beneath that and listen to understand what someone means and why and what it means to them, I think there's space for understanding within that. And I don't think it has to be rooted in a competition, you know, over a word. It may mean one thing for them. And I'm interested in learning and understanding and honoring what it means to them. But I think that I would hope that for those who do have an issue, that they can come to a place where they could also create space in their minds and their hearts to understand that they may, it may mean something different for people like you and I to kind of help us move towards, you know, the, the sustainability that, that we all ultimately crave. Um, and ultimately that competitive thing is, that's a part of, that's a part of colonization, you know, moving away from competition, moving away from us versus them energy. So mm -hmm. I hope that's something that emerges as well as all of us continue to, you know, do this work or come into these awarenesses um, and, and trying to create relationships that are, you know, not rooted in harm. So, yeah. yeah and just piggybacking off of what you said, my biggest thing is there's there's a still, I think, and, and I, I believe that the conversation is expanding, right? But mm -hmm. I do still think that even um, people who non, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use your terms, non-black people, <laughs> non-black people of color right. have to grapple with the anti-blackness that is really rampant in a lot of these other cultures. Mm -hmm. And that creates sort of like a very narrow lens to where even though we um, even though we weren't colonized and our land was not stolen, we are we are descendants of people who were stolen, right? So that process um, that we go through is uniquely different than anyone else. And we have a completely different definition of colonization that is actually still aligned you know when i the the, the paper i read is from a native american person right. and so what they were talking about is the mental aspects of it um yeah. but then i just read um, a paper and i'm gonna send it to you it's called meta colonization and it is about what's happening now and and how it's around like the stories that are being told around colonization um how history is being rewritten uh how art is being viewed. And sure. so it's this, all of these things that we have to keep in mind that um, especially descendants of enslaved people, we have a unique journey that um, requires us to undo the, the violence and the harm of enslavement, how that impacted, I mean, it's still impacting us to this day. 
Um, you can't deny that 400 years is a long time on the scale of us, you know, being in this country and and what that has done to us as a people. Um, so I just wanted to add that. Indeed, indeed. Thank you for adding that. So my next question is, what role would you say your family culture growing up played a part in you becoming who you are today? I mean, a huge part. <laughs> so when I, you know, I got pregnant at 36 years old, I never wanted kids. I didn't even like children, to be honest with you. I was one of those people who were just like, kids need to be separate and I don't want to be around them, right? I was very much um, a harmful person when it came, when it came to children. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I got pregnant, I was like, okay, you can't keep doing that. So um, let's do better. So I, you know, read some books and started following people. And I just realized, you know, I had every intention on doing the exact same thing. That was, that was how I was parented. Sure. And how I was parented is a traditional, uh, in a traditional like Southern black way, which is filled with violence, to be honest with you, violence and respectability politics. And so, um, and we grew up in poverty too. There's another layer to that as well. And so I knew that that's definitely, once I started reading and it started coming up, like the brain um, damage that can be done from this type of, from that type of parenting, um, the way that it disconnects you from your child, the way that some of the trauma responses that are, that have become my personality, right? Like I started looking into all of that and I was just like, nah, I'm not doing this. And then I realized that I didn't like children because I felt I was projecting onto them all the things that I felt about myself as a child based on how I was raised. And so it has a huge, a huge, I mean, that's the only reason I have parents in colonized is because I saw that so many people are struggling with this and needed this lens, needed to see someone that looks like them and speaks like them uh, talk about this and, and from a very specific viewpoint um that i feel like is not spoken about enough Mm. okay so that's that's really really interesting um you know a lot of people tend to use their upbringing um as a reason why you know they turned out okay Mm -hmm. and they're going to continue to do what was modeled for them but in turn you took your upbringing and you said, I'm gonna do things differently. Um, but you went beyond that. You said, I'm not only gonna do things differently, I'm gonna start a whole platform around doing things differently. So could you tell people about Parenting Decolonized and why you decided to go that extra step? Yeah, because when I started reading, my first book I ever read was called Brain Rules for Baby. And I was just like, they started talking about discipline in there. And I was like, okay, I need to, I want to do things that are good for her brain. I really wanted her to, to um, you know, I want to do everything I could, right, to help her brain development. So they started talking about discipline and how and what not to do. So I sought out, I started looking and researching like alternative disciplines because I had no, no clue. Yeah. Um, and that's where I found positive parenting. That was my first introduction into this world. Okay. And I joined some groups and I started following um, pages like Janet Lansbury and um, now I'm going to forget Rebecca Eanes is, a, is another one. And I was like, this is cool stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I still felt weird. I still was just like, but this is not, there, there's something missing. And I didn't know what that missing was until I got into a, a Black positive parenting group. And 
it's still, it was positive parenting, but it was still like diet white supremacy up in there. Um, because the person who was leading that group was very much aligned with respectability politics. And that was when I was first coming to the consciousness of, we have to talk about this differently um, amongst black people. We have to talk about how uh, colonization and enslavement have impacted us. And so I read um, Spare the Child, Stacey Patton. And then I read, um, I'm not done with it yet because it's a heavy book, but Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Right. And that just like shifted everything for me. And so upon reading that, I hooked up with my girl, Crystal. So I was like, I think I should do a podcast. Because my whole thing is I don't consider myself ever an expert in decolonizing. Mm-hmm. I'm not even an expert in parenting. I'm not even an expert of myself yet, right? I'm still, I don't know a lot. <laughs> and so what I wanted was to create space for learning, for my own learning, so I can learn from people how to decolonize and how to be a more conscious person and a conscious parent. So that's where um, I first got started. It was more of a quest for my own knowledge, really. Um, and so, I, and I wanted to just be the person that sort of talked about it from that, like, I'm, I'm a student, right. teach me, right? right. Um, and then, the, so the more that I started learning, the more I could apply, the more I could talk about it in a very confident way. Parent to Decolonize got started um, and it took off and actually- as a podcast first? As a podcast, well, no, as a Facebook page first. Um, okay. I was doing the podcast, but um, I, I hadn't finished it before I started posting. See, I have a social media background, so I knew I had to do a bunch of stuff before I started um, you know, the podcast. Okay. And the way that it really got people's attention was actually, I think three years ago today, I posted, um, the poem by Hess Love around um, Black Breastfeeding Week. And it was a picture of a um, enslaved woman holding a a white baby. And that got like people's attention. And from there, I was able to um, find people like you and, you know, our friend Damari and a bunch of, you know, black people who who I didn't know were in this, but I was able to now create this beautiful community of people who are doing this work and teaching me along the way, like really, really modeling to me what this is supposed to look like, and um, being people who we there's no competition. We're all in this together. We want more people to be talking about this, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it's just parent to decolonize and the conferences too. <laughs> we, sure. you know, I was like, there needs. I kept seeing parent conferences, and they would have like token black person, you know, the one person, maybe a brown person. I was just like, absolutely not. Like I have no desire to learn from y'all. I just don't. Right. I want to learn from people who look like me because okay. our experience is unique. And so I put together my first conference and um, and it was all black and I had never seen anything like that before. Um, yeah. So I decided to do it. <laughs> and so okay. it was a beautiful experience and that's how it's always been from this point forward. We are, the global majority represents at least 90% of my conference uh, mm-hmm. speakers and experts and stuff um, because to me, our, our lived experiences need to be, we need to have a platform for that. Otherwise, we won't. Otherwise, it'll everything will be the same and really homogenous and white-centered. Um, and how I know it's white-centered is because whenever I share a picture of my conference, I get emails from white people asking if they can come. And I'm just like, what part of this made you feel like you can't come to my right. conference? It doesn't right. say for black people only, it just says, Rona racism and radical parenting, but you saw black faces and you felt you felt other. 
And you were like, let me reach out and see. And they were like, no, just because like, I don't want to take up space. It's a virtual conference. It, it, the more the merrier. Like it, that's what tells me that um, most of the, most of the, the stuff around parenting and these parent conferences is white centered and that we have always had to adjust to that and just be, accept right. that. Right. But on the flip side, it's, am I allowed to be here now? Like, right. can I even come? It's like, what made you think you couldn't? Hmm. So this, this is, you know, fascinating in the sense that, you know, the whole thread through your, your story and you coming into parenting decolonized was, it was a learning journey. And ultimately it was a learning journey where you said, I'm going to create a platform so I can learn with people who have a shared experience from me, who have a background like me, um, primarily people who are uh, descendants of enslaved Africans who grew up in America. Yep. And so it was like, there's not many books by people like me on this topic. It's not many conferences like people, podcasts, you know, social media platforms. So if I create it, then I can attract those yeah. people who may be living it and we can find each other. And and that and that seems like what it was. And you, so in addition to you being like, again, this is kind of where you put on that organizer hat. Uh, so in addition to you learning, you were also inspiring. You were also, you know, creating that, that, that platform for others to learn. And it's, it's such a powerful platform. Um, you know, I, you know, similar to you, but a, a little bit different. So it's, it sounds like you started reading. Was this like before you had your daughter? Like even before you had yeah. your daughter? Well, well, what when I got, so long story short, I wasn't sure if I was gonna have her. And sure. so it took me a while to make that decision. Um, because I was so afraid. I, I was so afraid to be a parent. I was terrified that I was going to be a terrible parent. I was terrified that I was, she was going to, you know, live the same life that I did. And so it took me a minute. And but once that decision was made, um, I knew that I had to really focus on doing things differently. And um, I didn't know what that looked like though. And that's the hard part about this: is so many of us are the are waking up to this realization. And we're the first, yeah. but there's no models. We don't know how to even get started. So yeah, I started reading books and seeking out people, but none of the people that I sought out were black. And, and that bothered me because I just felt like there wasn't, whenever I would post about like my fear, you know, around raising a black child in this country, in these parenting groups that were predominantly white, it became like, why are you bringing up race? And right. What you know, like, and and I don't want, I don't want. That's unsafe. That you're yeah. basically telling me that my lived experience is not valid. And yeah. so I wanted to make sure I have a space always that centers the experience of Black people in this country, centers our fears, right? And and but but making it so okay, we see your fear. Your fear is very valid, but right. this is how we can start stop parenting from a place of fear and start parenting from a place of liberation. And that's scary in and of itself. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, releasing that has to be done. And that is not a discussion that happens outside of the yeah. black community. It just doesn't. Facts, facts. Oh my goodness, so powerful. So I think back to my journey and how I got, I found my way to conscious parenting. And, you know, my daughter, my first child was born in 2008 mm -hmm. and it wasn't until she was probably two or three that I realized I was unequipped. <laughs> you know, she was challenging, um, you know, her mother and I in ways, you know, in some in some major ways. And I found myself resorting to the things that I knew. 
trying to intimidate her with verbal intimidation, physical intimidation, and even violence, you know? And, you know, some people don't think that spanking is violence or hitting is violence or even, you know, aggressively holding is violence, but all those things are violence. And I found myself engaging with my daughter in a way that wasn't aligned with who I thought of myself as being in the world and who I wanted to be in the world. And I immediately, when she was again, two, three years old, um, I knew I had to had to learn new skills. And I immediately started to seek out information online. And I just started typing in different key, different terms um, around how to raise children without, uh, you know, physical violence or beatings and things like that is probably, I think probably what what started it. And I remember one of the first books I came across um, was a book called Raising Your Spirited Child. And then I read that, and that was a major shift. It helped me to frame her behaviors differently. Um, And then I read Unconditional Parenting by Alfie Cohn. Again, two people of European descent. So I'm still in this world of learning these things from people of European descent, gaining a lot of value from it. Um, But then I came across um, Dr. Shafali's work called The Conscious Parent. Yeah. And when I read The Conscious Parent, that's the first time that language came into my awareness. And yeah. it was that book was like life shifting because it, it was all about focusing on me. Yeah. You know, same. focusing on what I what I need to change within myself so that I'm not triggered by this young person's behaviors and et cetera. And it, it got into that in such an amazing way. And yeah. that book changed so much about me. And then, so Dr. Shafali is a person of Asian Indian descent, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe a year or so later, a year or two later, I, I ran into Akila Richards' work yeah. um, because I was into the unschooling space by this time. And, you know, just by literally miraculously, and I think, you know, for those who are listening, I'm gonna interview Akila and she'll be on this show and I'll go into that story then on how we met. But it was totally serendipitously how I came into Akila's sphere. And she was the first person of African descent um, who was talking about these con- these concepts of, you know, raising free children. And she had a yeah. podcast called Fair of the Free Child. And it resonated so much and it was so exciting because she was the first person of African descent that I heard talking about unschooling yeah. and the first person of African descent that I heard talking about conscious parenting. So it married both of those. And I felt like, again, I felt seen, I felt heard, I felt understood. I felt like I could hear this message in a way that's gonna really speak to the nuances of people of African descent in America who are descendants of enslaved Africans. And again, the world opened up. And then a few years later, I had the privilege of finding a group on Facebook called Conscious Parenting for the Culture that was centered around the experiences of people of African descent or for those who identify as black people. And that was your group. And then from there, I found your page, Parenting Decolonize. I found your podcast. And I felt like your group was just, oh, it was so amazing. I was able to go in there and read all the different scenarios that people were going through. um, And then the different recommendations and the different like feedback and perspectives from other people, you know, who shared that cultural experience. And it was just such a power, it was, and it still is to this day, you know, such a powerful, powerful platform. And I say all that to say, thank you, <laughs> you know, thank you for 
going on this journey to improve, you know, um, your your own parenting for your for your daughter, but also saying, you know, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to do it in community with others and therefore creating a movement that I know is liberating so many children. And one of the things that I like to say is that I personally believe that conscious parenting is an act of social justice. You know, if, if, if an individual watching or listening to this does nothing else towards, you know, thinking that they want to do their part towards making the world more just, becoming a conscious parent, uh, that alone is mm -hmm. going to do so much to make a positive impact for, for the future of, you know, humanity. You know, because you're raising children um, and modeling respect, modeling humanity, modeling nonviolence, you know, modeling love and 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 very you know ways that are empower empowering, etc. Um, that's going to have a ripple effect, you know, for generations to come. So yeah, you know, it's 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 fascinating, you know, to hear the origins of it all, especially considering now learning for the first time that you didn't even want children. And it was something that, you know, literally it was a decision, you know, and that decision you made to say yes, you know, has led to something really, really beautiful. And you have such a large following, you know, on Facebook, um, you know, and, and all across all social media, your podcasts and your conferences. And it's just, again, it's just making such a positive impact in the world. So giving you your flowers, <laughs> you I'll know, I'm, I'm giving you your flowers and, you know, I know it's laborious, laborious and it uh, it's hard work. And, um, you know, we're going to give those who are listening an opportunity to, you know, in a, in a moment to learn where to go follow and everything. Um, but before we get into that, I just wanted to ask you, could you share a story that has inspired you and your work? Is there, is a story that may, that stick, that may stick out that, you know, kind of has been like a, a driving force, a driving inspiration to, that either got you started down this path or continues to, you know, empower you and influence and inspire you as you've, as you've marched on the path that you've, you know, you've chosen. I don't know of any one story, but all I know is my, my kid who is, like I said, she's four, she is autistic, she has limited words. And it is a challenge being a single mother um, to a disabled child who does not speak words, but who is her mother's daughter, right? I mean, she is like, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> and I remember, um, I remember my, I had a friend who was coming over here. Um, and this is going to seem like a worst of it. Anyway, she was coming over here. She's coming from out of town. I hadn't seen her in a while. So I'm like really focused on that whole, like get the house ready before company comes, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I pick her up from school. And I'm like, all right, girl, here's the, you know, here's this, your snack, TV. I'm going to clean this house. And she followed me around the house uh, as I was cleaning. I was getting more and more triggered, more pissed off. Like, leave me alone. I'm trying to do this thing. And here you go. Like, you have toys. And I, and then I was saying some of the same stuff my mom used to say to me. I used to, I, you know, you got all these things. What do you need? Like, go play, leave me alone. Um, you have all these, these toys. Like what, what are you, what are you all up under me for? Why do you keep following me? And I remember going upstairs because I was trying to calm down. I kept feeling myself because I know now I know how to recognize when I'm about to lose control. And I always am very upfront with people. When you grow up in a violent environment, um, for a lot of people, gentleness is not your first 
instinct, right? My first instinct is always harm. It is. And I'm very open about that because I want people to stop feeling like they have to be perfect on this journey. This There's levels to this and it's like progress over perfection. I When I know I'm causing harm, once I realize it, I stop. But that doesn't mean I don't do it sometimes, right? I'm still a human being, I'm still growing. And I have to intentionally walk away in order to not cause her harm. My second thought is always, you said you're not gonna do this, so don't, and I always walk away. So she followed me and I I like swung around because I was so mad. I'm like, I'm trying to get away from you so I can calm down and I swung around. I just looked at her. I finally like looked in her face and she just honestly wanted me to play with her. She hadn't been around me all day. Um, She was at school and she just wanted to spend time with me. And here I was yelling at her, you know, for, for that. And it just reminded me to just, I need to slow down. Mm -hmm. And who are these people I'm trying to impress? Like if you come to my house and it's dirty and you have a problem with that, you can either help me clean or you can leave. Um, Those, that's now how I, how I operate. Like I'm not, I, I don't have enough. I have ADHD. I have, you know, um, depression. So I don't have enough spoons to try to do um, try to impress people anymore, all the respectability around it. So right. that just kind of taught me like your kid, because she can't speak, um, you have to be extra conscious. Like you have to be extra aware of, of the impact of your words, of your actions on her. And even when you don't feel like it, you can still be gentle in the moment. Like you can still be, um, I could have still said to her, cause she is, assuming competence she's very smart right like i could have said to her okay give mama a moment and um and give her you know give her things to do and then like she'll sit there if i say it but i wasn't communicating properly i wasn't being kind i was being very harmful and and violent if you really think about the words that i was using to get her to um leave me alone and I i just stopped what i was doing and went and played with her and to be honest it was almost like an inner child moment because of feeling that way a lot throughout my childhood that I was not liked, that I wasn't wanted, I wasn't, I was a burden. And then not having anyone to tell me otherwise has stuck with me for a very, 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 very long time. Um, and it's the reason why I did a lot of things as an adult that are very harmful and risky. And right. so me actually just stopping that moment, recognizing the harm I was causing, stopping and then doing the thing that she was asking me to do was almost like an inner child like healing moment because I didn't have that but I can be that for her and I can honor my own need as my own inner child needing to play needing to um not be so serious all the time and not and and not always focused on production right on uh doing stuff just being and that's okay I don't have to impress people like all these things so it's a really arbitrary story like it was really like weird story but it stuck with me because I recognized what I was doing and stopped it and did something different which is hard to do if if consciousness if being intentional is not your thing right Um, and a lot of people feel like this is impossible like I can't like how can I do this um when I have all these things, you know, all these bills and all these, all these things, how can I just stop? And I'm just like, you just have to practice it. So every day for me is a practice in conscious parenting. I'm not a, I don't, I call myself a conscious parent, but I'm not a conscious parent all the time. Sure. Um, 
I want to say I'm probably conscious parent, like honestly, y'all, like 60% of the time. Most of the time I'm apologizing. And this is because I am finding myself really triggered with ADHD, um, all the stuff that's happening in the world, having to do, having to work for a living. <laughs> like who wants to do that, right? So it's like all these things that I'm feeling um, and your brain also wants to be on autopilot yeah. biologically. And so it is more effort for us to be conscious, especially if you have a violent background. But with yeah. practice, y'all, it is definitely gets easier and, and then eventually it just becomes second nature but it does require consistency and practice and i think that's what people don't understand they feel like okay i made the commitment so i don't want to cause harm so why am i doing it it's because you have to right. it's like you, it it's a mindset shift you have to continuously do it until yeah. it gets it, it easier and easier yeah because we have the majority of our lives living in an unconscious world and yeah. unconscious systems that are, do harm um so it's it's hard to unlearn those things and it takes time and we have to have grace you know yeah. um it's one of the things i'm always saying like you know i have grace with myself you know i i i have like this thing in my mind where i'll i'll say i'm doing the best i can you know and i think i think honestly it starts there you know when i talked about the conscious parent the book you know like we got to start reparenting you know ourselves learning to forgive ourselves mm -hmm. you know learning to be gentle with ourselves is like the first step in learning to be gentle with others including the, the children in our lives um so i will say you know you said that you're you're constantly apologizing but i think that in itself is a conscious act you know because you know i didn't grow up with adults apologizing to me um you know so it's that in itself is modeling, you know, a level of respect, you know, for the humanity of a young person, no matter their age. Um, so, you know, I think that in itself is, is progress and, and a part of the journey. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And so let me ask you this, um, as we get close to, to closing out, if you think five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road of the impact, the exponential impact of parenting decolonized, conscious parenting for the culture, more and more people coming to these spaces and, and, and learning and immersing themselves uh, in this work, this self-work and raising free people, you know, in community with one another, whether it's virtually or in our, in our neighborhoods, what would you say your vision, you know, for the future of family culture um, is if we had that, you know, thinking that that's, knowing that that's gonna happen, what, what are we going to see? Oh, you know, my biggest thing, because I'm a very futuristic thinker. Um, when I when I first got into this, my whole thing was raising resistors and dissenters and people who will not tolerate abusive behaviors by parents, teachers, or even the government. So what I see is um, a generation of people who will not take lightly <laughs> to being oppressed, who will fight for their right to exist in their own humanity. Um, I know that in my lifetime, I may not see some of these systems fall, but I really believe that as we continue to be conscious parents and and our children, you know, practice conscious parenting. And it's not even something they have to practice, they just are, right? Because they were raised in that way um, and in those generations and it's continuing on and how that's gonna change literally everything. 
is going to change everything about um, our communities, the these systems that are violent and dehumanizing. It's going. We're going. It's going to be a huge cultural shift in just how we relate to each other and even how we relate to the earth. Like all of it is, you know, we, the interconnectedness interconnectedness of it all is going to be more um people will be able to see it better because right now we're still so uh, in an individualistic sort of mindset but when you when you are a conscious parent or practicing this way you learn that so many things are connected and your kids start to learn that as well and so what i just see is just a future of people who are just like yeah we're not we're not we're not tolerating this fascism or we're not tolerating these clip charts like no <laughs> you know i'm not call my mom i'm not doing it so that's that's what i envision people who will speak up for themselves and just won't allow stuff to happen to them who will take an active part in the in their uh having their voice being heard and making sure that they aren't and their community isn't being oppressed. Mm, powerful. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for, for sharing that vision. And I would like for you to now share with our, our listeners, you know, how best can they follow you and your work? So I'm pretty much on every social media platform, um, <laughs> except for YouTube. Um, so uh, Facebook is Parents Decolonized, Twitter and Instagram. Um, it's, I hate the, I don't know why I spelled it this way. It's I'll put P-R- it in there. I'll put it in there. Okay. Show. Yeah. He'll, yeah. It, I'm on there though. <laughs> and then I'm on the talk, the TikTok as well. Okay. Um, so you can find me on there. I also, uh, my podcast is on anywhere you listen to podcasts, except for Spotify and protest. Uh, <laughs> I, um, also just have a newsletter so you can, you can sign up for the newsletter and your get, website. Uh, my website is parentdecolonize.com. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can sign up there and you can get like tips. Uh, like a, I think when you sign up, you'll receive like a, a PDF with phrases that will help you learn how to pause before you react to your children. Awesome. Such a wealth of, of knowledge and information for raising children without harm to ourselves and to the children. And um, you know, it's, it's such a tremendous platform and I encourage everyone who's watching, listening to follow Parenting Decolonize, no matter your background, your ethnicity, it's a, it's a place and space for all people. Um, and if you're on Facebook, there is a group specifically for people of African descent called Conscious Parenting for the Culture. Uh, but every other platform is for any and everybody. And, you know, let's, let's, let's come let's get it. All of us. Yes. Let's come together around, around, you know, raising children without harm. Mm-hmm. So again, thank you for your time, Yolanda. Thank you. It's, it's, it's such a pleasure, um, you know, to have you on my platform. I've had the opportunity to be on yours and um, I look forward to our continued partnership and, and just, you know, putting out liberating content out into the world. So, um, you know, thank you to you again and to our listeners and our watchers once again. And as always, until next time, I love y'all. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Dialogue podcast. Remember to join our Grow Dialogue community to continue the conversation, activate authentic dialogue, and to get exclusive content, discounts, and special offers on curated artwork and music from independent artists from the Americas. 
Check out our show notes for more info and visit www.growdialogue.com to join our live events. Don't forget to support us on Patreon. We really appreciate your support.